Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This message was recorded at the NCMI Gauteng Equip, hosted at Venture Church. We hope it will be a blessing to you. You will see in a little while how from the prayer to the songs to the message, how God is saying the same thing. And I do hope you do. Um, Because imagine what happens when God says to move. Francis said last week, uh, two weeks ago, values matter because values dictate culture. And as Michael said last week, values are who we are and who we want to be. It's what we do and what we want to do. And it's how we live, but also how we want to live. This means we have not arrived. Newsflash, we have not arrived. We are still becoming more like Jesus each and every day. Now, there's nothing quite like load shedding stage four to show us exactly where we still need to grow. Or what we're lacking. (laughs) Patience. Our divisive and destructive thoughts towards others, others in leadership. (laughs) Maybe we realize we have some anger issues or zero grace. Now our values as Venture Church is relational, real, redemptive, involved, and commissioned. These things are what we value as Venture Church. It's also who we want to be because we haven't arrived, so we're still working at it. Relational is the hub. Can you go back to the... Oh, okay, anyways. It's a wheel in the first picture. (laughs) So it's a hub. Relational is the hub, and then real flows from relational, redemptive flows from relational, involved and commissioned flows from relational. Friendship before function. And today, we will be looking at real. Why do we value real? Being real helps us grow together, which helps us grow into being more like Jesus. Becoming more like Jesus is our goal as children of God. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 4 verse 22 to 24 says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 1 John 2 verse 6 says, whoever claims to live in him, which is Jesus, must live as Jesus did. Let's be real. It can be tough to be real, especially when we've been hurt or disappointed by people, and it's especially people. We don't exactly walk around being hurt or rejected by our dog. It's difficult to be real and let people close when we've experienced betrayal and rejection from people. It can be tough to let our guards down when time and time again there's been hurt. It can be difficult to take our masks off, not COVID masks, 
the other masks, because what if people don't like the real me? It can be difficult to real because what if we have a jaded past? No one can know where we come from. As a recovering people pleaser myself, it's almost impossible to be real and walk in all Jesus has for me when my main goal is to please people, to be liked and accepted. Jesus' divinity made him perfect and sinless, but his humanity felt the brutal weight of human hurt. He understands loneliness, betrayal. He was devastated by people he was supposed to trust. He knows what it's like to be lied to, misunderstood, falsely accused, and rejected. I would like us to look at a couple of scriptures that shows us Jesus' realness and how he continued to walk with people because that was his mission. So John 11 is it's a thick piece of scripture, but it's so good, and there's a lot of things I want to point out to us. So John 11 from verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Jesus loved. It was obvious because the sisters could send word to Jesus to say the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days because that makes sense. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and you are going back. So, Jesus is not wanted in that area. What does Jesus do? He listens to the Father and goes back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, and they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no Light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Ah, disciples. They replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, oh, let us go also so that we might as well die. Real Thomas. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother, some community there. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. 
Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, Martha replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn them. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She was real with Jesus. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord. They replied, the shortest scripture in the Bible, verse 35, Jesus wept. This was after Jesus already confessed that he will live again. And it's for the disciples, for them to believe that he is going to wake him up. Jesus knew Lazarus was going to be alive soon. Yet he, was, he still wept. He was still moved for these people. The same people that wanted to stone him not long ago. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Ah, oh, the judgment. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, and by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. This dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Matthew 11, verse 35 to 36. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Surely, Jesus was also exhausted. Exhausted from all the traveling and walking and healing. And then still, he had compassion. Who has time for that? Matthew 14, verse 13 to 21. When Jesus heard what had happened, this is after John's beheading, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. So Jesus again was moved by the death of a friend. In his humanness, he wanted to be alone and probably 
hear from the Father. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. It seems not once did Jesus go through the notions of like, oh, can you people just leave me alone? As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. The disciples have witnessed many, 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 many healings because Jesus healed every and all the sick. Yet, for some reason, they don't have the faith for food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate, about 5,000 men besides women and children. Jesus is hurting. He still hasn't had a break. He was moved with compassion for the people, still healed the people, then fed them. Jesus loved the people. In Mark 14, there are three remarkable situations. There's the Last Supper, the mention of Peter's betrayal, and Jesus praying to the Lord for his will to change. Verse 17 from Mark, in, in Mark 14. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said, surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Jesus were eating, uh, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it still to the 12 disciples. Take it, this is my body. And then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, still the 12 disciples. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Judas, the betrayer. Judas still ate the last supper with Jesus, even though Jesus knew he will betray him. In a different gospel, Jesus still washed his feet. Would we? In verse 27 from Mark 14, you will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted empathetically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And the other said the same. Jesus still had Peter share the Last Supper with him. In the different gospel, Jesus still 
washed Peter's feet, even though knowing that Peter will deny him three times that same night. Jesus did not discredit him. Verse 32, when they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray, he took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Others, uh, other gospel says, stay here and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Going a little, little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba Father, Jesus said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. These friends, these 12 friends that Jesus did life with couldn't even stay awake to pray with him, or the three out of the 12. Jesus is so distressed with what's about to go down, he asks God for another option. Jesus knows being distressed. We cannot think that he doesn't. When we look at the life Jesus lived, it would appear we actually cannot have any excuses not to be real because of people. The difference between us and Jesus is Jesus knew who would betray him, who he knew who would deny him, and still he gave his all for these people because of his calling. Jesus didn't allow hurts and loss and betrayal to derail what he knew the Father was calling him to. I think it's time we realize our purpose as God's children and walk in it. I think that needs to settle in our heart when the, the songs we've sung, the pre-prayer before the service. It is time that we realize each and every one of us have a calling. We are to know Jesus, to make him known. We are to become more like Jesus. And in this value from relational, we need to get real. Nadine read from Matthew 5. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you thought you didn't have purpose, you have purpose, my friend. Each and every one of us have purpose. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? And for people to taste your godliness, they need to be close. You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Oh, that's hectic. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. Your God colors is not for isolation. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. We have a purpose and it's to be together. Dan Muller said, you will get offended trying to offend him, which is really funny. Not once did Jesus allow the offenses and threats from the Pharisees to put him off. Not once did the betrayal and denial of his friends put him off into all that God was calling him to. The reality, the enemy is walking around like a roaring lion, seeing who he can devour and who better and how better to get to us than through offenses and hurt. 
it derails us from walking in relationship with those around us, being real so we can become more like Jesus than through, a, than through the offense and pastors. And that's exactly what offense and pastors do. They keep us right there in the past and proud of it. We need to make every effort to be real and to walk in unity. God has not changed his mind about this mission. And it is messy, friends, because we are people. And if we have zero grace, too bad, so sad. Jesus still has grace for us, which means we need to have grace for others. So on this journey, we're walking out our journey together. Our views and ideas of relationship is restored. And now we walk relationally. And because we are walking relationally, we can be real. The opposite of pride is humility. Being real means we throw off pride and we embrace humility. It means we admit we need each other. We get close, we get deep, we get real, so we can grow and become more like Jesus. In this realness and humility, we can admit we don't have all the answers and we don't know it all. This is why we have to throw off pride. It prevents us from walking together. It prevents us from being set free. Proverbs is full of advice on how bad pride is. James 4 verse 7 to 10 in the message says, So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Other version says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. This James is Jesus' brother. He was Jesus' brother. The same James that didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Check that redemption. And now James can tell us these cutthroat truths because he's walked it. He's had to live it. But redemption will be addressed next week. Because we are walking relationally, we're getting real. This means we hold ourselves accountable. Not because we answer to each other, but because we're relational. We reach out, we seek help, we let people know where we're at. I almost feel accountability is the same as offense. The, it's not given, it's taken. Accountability is on us. We need to hold ourselves accountable. Again, it cannot be done in isolation. Imagine I've invited people for dinner and I don't pitch and I don't let anyone know what goes through your head other than hunger because that was your, your evening meal. Maybe worry or anger, disappointment because who does she think she is? When we invite people for dinner and no one pitches, is that okay? And I really feel like I need to put this out there. 
The worship leaders and their teams spend hours to create an environment for us to meet Jesus. Why not worship? The serving teams arrive really early to set everything up for us so that each and every person can have a cup of coffee or tea before the service and have an environment to meet with Jesus. We have the sound guys, we have the switching board guys to help us not be distracted and to grow into being more like Jesus. All of this plays a role. Connect group leaders spend hours in preparation to host a meeting so each and every person can walk away changed and be more like Jesus. Preachers spend hours preparing to help us and walk us through the word and grow in becoming more like Jesus. Being accountable is part of this. It's part of us not pitching for stuff when people are doing it for our good. To not pitch is neither being relational or real, and God loves us so much that he calls us to more, and because he sees more for us. As a church, we value others more than our tiredness, busy lives, and inconveniences. That said, in being real, there's grace, because there's always grace, and because life happens. But often we can make a habit of using life that happens as an excuse. When we hold ourselves accountable, there's a fresh perspective from those we trust in our circumstances. This week was the most insane week that I could have ever imagined, but I actually felt like I walked on a cloud of peace. I had so many people praying with me, for me. I think the enemy tried to get me from all sides, whether work, really difficult clients, even my health, people prayed with me. And I honestly, the peace through this week, I, was, I haven't had a meltdown. Hello, I haven't had a meltdown. That's huge because I hold myself accountable to say, yo, guys, it's not good. I need the prayer. And thank you to each and everyone who prayed. Let's rather form good and healthy habits than making it a habit to live in isolation and not pitch. Like James said, purify our inner lives. It's time to rid ourselves of our masks. Not these, because that would be nice, but not them, the other masks that we wear. The masks that are preventing us from being real with each other. We want what is best for each other. A little six-year-old was asked, what is love? And she said, love is when you're missing some of your teeth, but you're not afraid to smile because you know your friends will still love you even though some of you is missing. But we are scared to be real with people because what if they judge us? Because we are firstly relational, we have each other's backs so we can't scare each other off with our realness. There is grace for each other from each other. Also, not to share all our deepest things with everyone, because that is really unwise and irresponsible, but to submit ourselves to some in realness. We all know where we need to grow, and where there's blind spots, we have each other to help us grow in those areas. Jesus did it with 12, and there was three. 
We are not trying to please each other from a fear of men or people-pleasing aspect, but we have a responsibility to be real with one another. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Jesus was real with his 12 disciples. He walked closely with the 12, and he walked even closer with the three, even though one of the three was the one that denied him that same night three times. He still walked with him. A true friend stabs you in the front, and when Jesus asked his disciples, are you still so dull in Matthew 5? Or pointing out that they have little faith. That's a true friend. Yulandi, don't you get it? I'd expect a true friend to really help me through those things, through my blind spots. Jesus wasn't scared to be real as it was for the good of each disciple's future, even when some made bad choices. Being real helps us heal. Being real helps us grow. Being real sets us free. All so we can love people and become more like Jesus. Friends, we need to, from a point of relational, of walking in relationship with one another, get real. This was Jesus' plan for us. And even though it's a, a church value, a venture church value, I, we can see it all throughout the word. But it doesn't just happen. The reason I went through all of Jesus' things was that we choose to let past hurts and people checked, yes. We choose to, to allow hurts, so hurts are real, betrayal is real, those, those things are real, but we choose to let them keep us where the enemy likes to keep us, which is unhealed, unredeemed, unrestored. I shared those stories from Jesus to show us how Jesus, knowing all of the stuff, still chose to walk. He, was, he walked as human, which means he did feel it very, very hectically. He did experience it very painfully, but he still chose to forgive and for their futures. And for us to walk out being real, for us to walk out the, the value of being real, we need to let go of those things from our past, the things that is withholding us from, from not walking into all that Jesus has for us, from not letting down our masks, letting down our walls, because we do have good intentions for one another, and we should. We really should if we don't check your heart. Can I ask us to stand? Jesus is in the business of miracles and he's in the business of uh, restoring the same as what we've been singing this morning. We don't just sing words, we should believe what we sing. If we don't, again, check your heart. We don't just do stuff because we do them because that's what we've always done. We are always aiming to grow and becoming more like Jesus because that's what we do. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. And it's to shine the light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come to you in the name of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for the example you've set. Thank you for what you, what you did on the cross for us, even knowing that we were, we were like the most undeserving people ever.
Jesus, you loved us so much that that is what you chose to do. He didn't give you the plan B. He didn't give you an option out, a second door. You had to walk that intense death. And you did it for us, Lord, to be reconciled to you, Father, so that we may know you. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you teach us and guide us and show us. Father, this morning I lift each and every person here up to you, Father, and I pray that you will, will poke on those things that still need restoration, those things that are preventing us from walking out to be real. Thank you, Jesus, that you break down walls. Thank you, Jesus, that you restore our hearts, Lord. And even though, Jesus, you knew betrayal and being lied to and, and all of that, Jesus, you, you still walked into all that God called you to. And Father, today I lift that before you, Father, and I say that may you restore us, may you heal us in those areas that are preventing us from walking into everything that you are calling us to, and especially being real and vulnerable with one another, Lord. It means we need to get close. And it's messy, Jesus. It was messy even when you were walking with 12 and 3. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace to do that and for your love to love others. For your grace to have grace with others, Father, because none of us are perfect. I thank you, Jesus, that you, you are healing this morning, Lord. And as, as we go into this week, Jesus, you are still walking out this journey with us. May we not shy away from shining your light, Lord, because we are worthy because you have made us worthy. And we have something to offer to someone else. Thank you, Jesus, that you are calling us to be real, Lord. May we love people like you love us. May we walk with people as you, have, you continue to walk with us, Jesus. Help us get rid of the masks that don't belong. And thank you, Jesus, that we are free from fear of man. In your mighty name, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about NCMI, please go to ncmi.net. You can also find out more information about Venture Church by going to venturechurch.co.za.